0: Hey everyone, welcome back to Pucks and Pages.
1: My name is Steven, that is my lovely wife as always, Liberty.
0: We're a married couple with different hobbies and we try to force them upon each other by discussing the latest news in both books and sports.
1: Today is a reasonably better sports episode I feel like, like there's way less things.
0: I don't know if I agree with that. I feel like we have just about the same amount of stuff.
1: Well, I guess we'll find out when the recording's done. (laughs)
0: But we'll start off this time talking about COVID news in the NHL because it's that
1: time of the pandemic. I feel like every fall and winter we end up with, like, spikes again. So, like, here we are. Round three?
0: Every fall and winter,
1: jeez. Yeah. But it started with the Islanders this week. They were finally given permission to resume play last Thursday after delaying two games because eight players had been on the COVID-19 list.
0: Well, it hasn't helped them win at home.
1: Yeah, they started their new arena recently, and they've been struggling at home ever since. And then I'm really looking forward to the fact that my team has to play them tonight. (laughs) So it's like, hopefully they don't bring anything back with them.
0: Yeah. In player health, Ryan Getzlov is week to week for the Anaheim Ducks with a lower body injury. He was injured midway through the first period of the game against the LA Kings on Tuesday, November 30th.
1: I feel like the older you get in the NHL, the longer your injuries last. Because, like, Getzlaff is definitely up there in years, so.
0: Okay, but how old is that? Because we're talking about hockey age. We're not talking about normal people age anymore.
1: He's definitely in his late 30s. Like, there's no way he's not. Like, it would be really weird if he was less than He is
0: 36. I would not say 36 is your late 30s.
1: It's beyond 35, which would be your mid-30s. He's in his
0: (laughs) mid-30s. But I agree, it's definitely going to be longer than it would have been if he had been a younger player. Right.
1: And then a tough one for me, uh, this guy that we really expected to produce, A, he's really not produced that much this season, and now he's out for a good chunk of time thanks to this injury that he experienced. Tyler Johnson will be out three months following next surgery on Friday, December 3rd. The Blackhawks said Johnson had been trying to manage the pain for the last few weeks before opting for surgery. Johnson last played in the game against the Carolina Hurricanes on October 29th. He was placed on long-term IR on November 17th. His last practice was November 25th. He underwent the same surgery, though, as Jack Eichel, which is like, man, Jack Eichel literally got the surgery, and now it's like, okay, it's acceptable now. Right, right. And that just seems so weird to me because, like, it was such a big stink for everybody.
0: Well, here's the thing. There was only one team that didn't allow Eichel to get his surgery, so... If he had been on the Blackhawks, I feel like it would have happened sooner than him having to wait and get traded and then get surgery.
1: I I guess that's probably true. It did come down to Buffalo just being like, no.
0: Right. So it's not like it was taboo in the sport. It just hadn't been done before. And there was this one team that was like being a gatekeeper.
1: Well, they were nervous, rightfully so, because like they don't know what the legitimate recovery time would be. But at the same time, it's like somebody's got to try it first, you know?
0: And then this next guy, I'm going to try to say his name correctly, but who the hell knows if I'm going to be right?
1: It's not one of the hardest ones you've ever had to try. Like, it's pretty much pronounced the way it's spelled.
0: Is it, though? Uh, Is it? Yes. Igor Shosturkin will be out for a week following a lower body injury in the third period of the game against the San Jose Sharks on Friday, December 3rd.
1: Good old NHL and their upper lower body injury explanations, but I guess it does keep their medical health a little more private, which I guess is kind of nice for the players. Right. There were really no trades this week, but we did have a signing. Uh, We had Mark Jankowski signed a one-year $750,000 contract with the Buffalo Sabres on Sunday, November 28th. The Ford was an unrestricted free agent after being released from a professional tryout contract by the New Jersey Devils on October 8th. Jankowski scored 11 points in 45 games with the Pens last season. I feel like he was still a good third, fourth line guy for you guys last year. So, like, I don't know why you'd cut him. I guess he wasn't playing that well as well, though. Let's be honest. New Jersey's actually playing good hockey this year. So it's, like you know, maybe he just didn't cut it.
0: I mean, he might be a better fit for the Buffalo Sabres, but I feel bad for him because of the getting cut from a PTO. So, yeah. But the bigger signing that happened this past week was that Jack Hughes signed an eight-year, $64 million contract with the New Jersey Devils on Tuesday, November 30th. This has an AAV of $8 million. He is currently playing in the final season of a three-year entry-level
1: contract. We all expected this. Right. He's the key piece to that team right now. So I don't know why anybody would have been shocked about this. Like, we all kind of saw it coming, I feel like.
0: Right. It feels like a long-term and a lot of money, though. I will say that. Yeah. I would have expected a five or six-year, but I guess if he's such an integral part for the team, maybe that's not the case.
1: He's like one of those players where, like, you know you're going to be able to build your future organization around him, so it's like you just sign him for a longer period of time for that reason. Obviously, there's always the risk of injury occurring, so, like, that could be problematic down the line. Right. And in the goal-scoring chase that Alex Ovechkin is on, currently trying to catch the great one himself, Alex Ovechkin scored his 750th career goal last night against the Blue Jackets. This was also his 20th goal of the season, which puts him in second place behind Dreisaitl for the season, which is pretty impressive. He's only behind him by one goal, which we all know Dreisaitl puts up a lot of goals and very few points total because, like, he doesn't get a lot of assists. It's more of McDavid's thing, so... We'll see. It'd be a cool shootout to see the old man going after the kind of more younger guy. Like, Dreisaitl's still older, but definitely not a Ovechkin age.
0: Right. I just, here's the thing, and I've mentioned this before. I don't think every time a Ovechkin scores a goal, it should be news. Like, everyone's aware of this, like, attempt he's making on the Great Ones record or whatever. I don't need to hear it every time he's, like, 750th, 755th. Like, I don't need to hear it. It gets like you, annoying. I
1: feel like you might be a tad biased as a Pens fan related to that one, but...
0: I also just don't like Ovechkin, so...
1: I think reaching threshold numbers like that are important to talk about, just because they don't happen often. Like, 750th, when was the last time you heard of somebody making that goal record?
0: I can understand that, but last week we talked about his 700-and-whatever. Well, yeah, so, because like, it
1: moved him into a higher rank place, but yeah. I, I get it. I get it. It's just... It's going to happen for a while now until the record's broken or he retires.
0: I'm talking about the reporting of the news by the NHL, I think, is too much. And it's annoying.
1: And I guess we did have one trade. It wasn't really, like, exciting. The Blackhawks traded away Malcolm Subban to the Buffalo Sabres for future considerations. It was clearly a cap space move. He wasn't under a, as big of a contract as I thought he was. It was only $850,000 we were paying him a year to be the starting goalie last year. I
0: mean, you can't sign much for that amount of cap space, so I don't know what the actual point is besides the fact that you don't need him.
1: Well, we have two other goalies right now in the minor leagues that we could pay more money. So, like, his minor league contract was at 220000 a year, so he was still making... Quite a bit of money to not be, like, the number one guy even in the minors. So it was just kind of like, okay, we can get rid of that. As well, too, the Sabres are kind of in a goalie situation. Their starting goalie's been out for a couple weeks now, and their second goalie is kind of day-to-day injury right now. So they needed somebody, like, ASAP.
0: And speaking of goalies, Matt Murray was assigned to Belleville of the AHL by the Ottawa Senators on Sunday, November 28th. The goalie is in the second season of a four-year, $25 million contract, which has an AAV of $6.25 million. His record for the six games he's played in this season is 0-5-0. He wasn't the starter on one of those games, I believe, or he wasn't the finisher, whichever one determines whether he gets the credit for that game or not.
1: So what's rough about this is the GM of the Sens didn't even talk to him before he put him on waivers like there was no discussion it was just kind of an ambush situation and i'm really getting sick and tired of gms doing stuff like that right like, right it's inconsiderate cuz like even flurry was in the same situation and it's like yeah they discussed that they were fielding trades but they didn't even tell him where he was going when he was traded and it's like it's like dang man it's like just really disrespectful and and i'll be honest like i don't think he was really the problem for the sens their defense sucks this year they have some of the lowest shot block percentages in the league so it's like you're leaving your goalie hung out to dry. What do you expect to happen but him lose?
0: But at the same time, he's not the caliber that he was whenever he was traded to them. Like, he's definitely gone downhill since then. And I could look up the numbers for his percentage and all of that fun
1: stuff. So but an 892 save percentage.
0: It's not great. No. So, I mean, I can understand not being content with the trade you made because it's not paying out the way you thought it would. But at the same time, like, you should be clearer about your intentions with your players, in my opinion.
1: Well, the thing is, if he's taking more shots on goal, like, you can't necessarily blame him, per se, for all that. Like, I don't know. It's just a situation where it's like you can point fingers at both sides because the defense sucks and the goalie has not been playing well. And in turn, ta-da.
0: Right. Mark Bergervan has been fired from the Montreal Canadiens as the GM on Sunday, November 28th. Jeff Gorton was hired as Executive Vice President of Hockey Operations. The owners have also said that Gorton will help hire Montreal's next GM.
1: Yeah, because they brought him into kind of a weird role before they fired Bergeron. So it was just kind of like... I'm sorry, whom? I totally butchered his name because I wasn't even looking at the name of it. But either way, like, he was truly brought in to be, like, a role like this already, and nobody knew why he was being hired. It was, like, just a couple weeks ago that we talked about it, right?
0: I think so, yeah. And Bergevin had been the sole head of hockey operations since being named GM on May 2nd of 2012. We also had a couple other firings happen at the same time. Assistant GM Trevor Timmins and Senior VP for Public Affairs and Communications Paul Wilson and then the next day or the day before, sometime in that weekend, assistant GM Scott Mallenby resigned as well. So it's a whole shakeup in their organization as far as upper management goes.
1: We'll get to talk a little bit about that kind of shakeup with Manchester United a little bit later too because stuff like that also happens.
0: I understand that the... Canadians had a shot at the Stanley Cup and then they came into this season it's like you're a completely different team somehow, but like you're not actually a different team because you have a lot of the same players.
1: They retained most of their players. The issue really up front was that Carey Price didn't play for like the first month and a half. So like that definitely helps the struggle there with that.
0: Isn't he still not playing with I the don't team? think he's back yet. Yeah.
1: So we're still going two months now at
0: this point, roughly.
1: So the reality of it is it's just, it's been a rough road for them.
0: But you can't place it all on the goalie.
1: Right. It definitely helps having a solid goalie in the back to protect you from a lot of goals. But at the same time, like there's a lot of talent on this roster and there's really no excuse that the offense isn't there to pick up the fact that there's a lackadaisical goalie in the net, like when it comes to the difference.
0: I'm pretty sure this next piece of news we talked about last time, but I just want to mention it again in case I didn't. And it's that Boston Bruins forward Brad Marchand has been suspended for three games without pay for slew footing Vancouver Canucks defenseman Oliver Ekman Larson during the game on Sunday, November 28th. This means that Marchand will forfeit $91,875.
1: We didn't talk about this instance of slew footing. There were two other instances of slew footing last week as well. Let's just
0: all do the same thing in the same week.
1: The, the crazy thing is for like a long time, I hadn't heard about slew footing in a while in the news. Mm. And now all of a sudden it's like three times in a week and a half, like, oof, like the NHL is clearly cracking down on it a little bit. So. Right.
0: Right. Well, and it can be dangerous, especially I believe when Marshan did it, it was like right by the boards. Yeah. So I feel like because slew footing is basically taking someone's skates out from under them, it could have gone really, really poorly.
1: Yeah, sliding on ice into walls that don't have any give are really not the greatest thing in the world. Right.
0: We also had a fine come down this past week for Carolina Hurricanes head coach Rod Brindamore.
1: You were so on top of it today. I'm so proud of you. nailing him.
0: He was fined $25,000 for inappropriate conduct during the game against the Washington Capitals on Sunday, November 28th. And I was looking really hard to try to figure out what he did because there's no video and, like, no real explanation in the article on the NHL website. And from what I can tell, it seems to be that he was speaking out against the call refs made towards the end of the game, which led to his team having to do a five-on-three for a couple minutes. And so I feel like it has something to do with him just, like, saying something inappropriate or shouting at the refs or something, but it's still pretty unclear what actually happened. But $25,000 is a lot. I hope it's not just him going, it was a poor call, because that's bad for the whole league.
1: Brendan Moore's kind of a fired up guy like Torts, so I'm sure it had some words in there that you can't re-air on television. So Probably.
0: I'm just surprised it wasn't spelled out clear on the article that I read from the NHL, because like, I feel like part of the reason you find someone that much money is to prevent other people from doing the same thing. But how will you not do the same thing when you don't know what actually happened?
1: Right. And everybody's favorite biter. Oh, jeez. LA Kings forward Brendan Lemieux has been suspended for five games without pay for biting Ottawa Center's forward Brady Tchuk during the game in LA on Saturday, November 27th. Lemieux will forfeit $38,750. He bit him twice.
0: Right, right. But... The thing with that ended up being that they had video evidence of the left hand bite and no video evidence of the right hand bite, which ended up being more severe because it actually broke skin and drew blood. Yeah. But somehow it equals a five game suspension for two bites.
1: It ended up for a five game suspension for one bite because that's all they accused him of, which is insane because one of them left marks and that's the one they didn't charge him for? But it,
0: it basically comes down to you get one free, and then the other one is five games.
1: That's nonsense. One bite is, should never be free. Like, ever. Let's be honest. And it
0: shouldn't be the one that drew blood that, that ends up being the, the free one. The free
1: one. Exactly.
0: And it was really funny because shortly after that on Twitter, I saw someone discussing an article where his dad, Lemieux's dad, came out and said, I really hope that my son isn't disliked as much as I was in the league. And this article was like seven years old or something like that. And I'm just thinking maybe he shouldn't go around biting people then if you want him to be appreciated and not disliked.
1: I don't think he was ever disliked until this moment. Let's just be honest. He hasn't done anything like this before in his career. So it's kind of random and out of left field. So,
0: And there have been some people that have said, well, if you put your hand in my mouth, I'm going to bite down too because we're in a fight. That argument only works once.
1: That that argument works in a bar fight, but not in a professional sporting situation. Like,
0: Also, COVID is still a thing. How do I not know that your mouth is full isn't of germs? full of COVID? Yeah. Also, that's just gross anyway. We're not in fifth grade.
1: I don't think fifth graders are fighting in bar fights either, and that probably th- still happens. They're probably
0: biting. Yeah. And I completely agree with Steve Dangle, who in his video this week was talking about how If you're biting more than once, you're eating. You're eating. (laughs) Yeah. Because, like, one time you can probably say, like, it was just in the moment or whatever. But the second one is like a conscious decision that you have made. Right. I really think it should have been like a 10 game and then he would appeal it and then it goes down to like an eight game or something. But with it only being a five game suspension, he doesn't get an appeal. So he has to serve those five games no matter what. So that might be why they only did five, but still.
1: On the fun news, your team got bought by somebody from Boston, which is really a weird situation.
0: The Pittsburgh Penguins and Fenway Sports Group entered an agreement on Monday, November 29th, in which FSG will acquire controlling interest of the Pens. However, Mario Lemieux, who is a two-time Stanley Cup winner with the Pens, will remain part of the ownership group. He and Ron Burkle became majority owners of the Penguins in 1999, and Burkle will also remain part of the ownership group as well. However, the sale still requires the approval of the NHL Board of Governors. I'm sure that will happen soon, so it's pretty much gone through. And like you said, they are a group from Boston, so they own the Boston Red Sox for the MLB, Weirdly, they also own Liverpool from the Premier League, which I had no idea about.
1: One of the more recent purchases that they've made.
0: They also own Roosh Fenway Racing for NASCAR and Fenway Park.
1: Yeah, LeBron James is a part of this group as well, which is kind of weird. That Um, is
0: really strange. I I feel like it's got to be because they own a stake in the Red Sox, because the rest of it is not as big of a deal, I think for someone who plays sports in the U.S.
1: Yeah, he, I think he owns about like 3 to 4% of the company itself, so like it's fractions of what he gets from it, but still it's, you know, a good investment, I'm sure.
0: Right, right. I don't know. I think this will be fine, especially since we still have Lemieux and Burkle on the ownership group or team or whatever you want to call it. So I think it'll be fine. A lot of people have been worried that it's going to mean weird changes for the organization, but I really don't think that's going to happen.
1: I think it's a situation where the money is just going to come from somewhere different. The reality is the Penguins are a team that are always right on cap. It's not like they needed the money stimulus, you know, to grow the business as well, too. I think what it really came down to is... Lemieux wanted to be involved, but not in control and decision-making anymore. So like, it was more of like, hey, how do I still be a part of this, but not have to work on it every single day? And I don't blame him for that. Like, At a certain age, you want to be around your family more and more, and he's getting there. So I, I really don't blame him. And honestly, this is a team or a organization that likes to pump money into things. So if anything, you'll probably see the stadium get some upgrades, which... It's weird because it was already a pretty nice stadium. Right, so, right.
0: So we've been to some ugly stadiums. Washington.
1: I actually really liked the location of the Washington Stadium. I thought it was really neat. It was just kind of right there, attached to the mall and other buildings right there. I thought that was kinda of cool.
0: Well, it's as soon as you walk into Chinatown, it's right there. Yeah. Which is
1: it's cool. Pretty but neat.
0: It's just it's not welcoming, is a good way to say it. It's very industrial.
1: Yeah. Whereas most of the stains we go to have some space between everything. Right, right. Yeah. And this next bit of news is something that I'm I'm excited about, even though I'm not a Wild fan. I've always had respect for Miko Koivu just because he played a lot against the Blackhawks, go figure, being in the same division. Um, but Miko Koivu will be the first player of the Minnesota Wild to have his number retired. He will have his number nine retired by the Minnesota Wild on March 13th before a game against the Nashville Predators at XL Energy Center. Hoivu retired from the NHL last season after playing all but seven of his 1,035 regular season games with the Wild during his 16 NHL seasons. So I always like rooting for those guys that are just committed to an organization, right? like the Marco Royces of the world, you mm-hmm. know, um, Thomas Moulos, the guys that just are willing to take pay cuts to just stay on the team they want to be on.
0: That was a pretty neat arena as well it was a little small and the seats were like angled weird which i didn't love but it It was
1: intense atmosphere for sure though
0: yeah i liked all of the memorabilia and stuff they had up around the actual outside of the building yeah and also there was a snoopy wearing a minnesota wild
1: uniform and i like snoopy yeah in the state of hockey as they call it
0: what position would snoopy play he's obviously a forward right No idea. I'm going to say he's a winger.
1: I'd have to read the comics of him where he actually has a hockey stick to find that out, I feel like.
0: Based on his personality, I think he's a forward. But speaking of forwards, there's no good way to segue into this. Maple Leafs (laughs) forward Austin Matthews delivered on his pledge to shave off his trademark mustache if he raised a certain amount of money for Movember... Matthew set a goal of $134,000 on October 28th, and they passed it on November 20th. They ended up raising $148,124 in support of men's health, and the stash was removed.
1: I just don't understand how this didn't like clear the goal in one day, because the molest stash that he had was just...
0: It's a disgusting mustache. It
1: was horrible. I literally showed it to a couple people at work when it got announced that this was finally completed, and they are like... Who would leave that on their face? And I'm like, listen, I grew a mustache last year, and it looked better than this one did. So it's just like, ah, it's rough. Did it? Yes, it it did. It did.
0: I'm just glad it's gone. Sadly, he's probably going to grow it back, and it'll be just as disgusting as before.
1: But it is interesting to see his actual face. Like he looks younger without it. Like and and, and like, that's bro, what
0: a lot of people have said is like this is obviously why he doesn't walk around without a mustache because he looks like a child. But at the same time, I think it looks better that way.
1: I think he has a more normal looking face. Like the haircut that he did with it, where it was just all greasy and slicked back. Like it wasn't a like it wasn't even a styled slick back. It was just like I don't wash my hair type grease. And all it's right. just like dude. You look even worse with that mustache because of that, like...
0: Because of your lack of hygiene, you look disgusting. Right. We will jump now, however, into more COVID news, this time coming out of the NFL. I want to not discuss this sport anymore because the players are effing stupid and make
1: me angry. I feel like you're categorizing every player in the same category of, like, five players...
0: No, it's more along the lines of I don't want to discuss the people who are behaving badly in the sport, so I don't want to discuss the sport anymore.
1: I still feel like that's over the top.
0: <laughs> this past week, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers wide receiver Antonio Brown and safety Mike Edwards, along with free agent wide receiver John Franklin III, were suspended for three games for violating the joint NFL NFL Players Association COVID protocols. These suspensions come following a review of allegations that the players misrepresented their vaccination status, and the review showed all three violated protocols. The suspensions are effective immediately as all three players have foregone the right to appeal. Brown and Edwards will be eligible to return for the Buccaneers for their Week 16 game on December 26th. However, Franklin, if he is signed by a team, would be ineligible to play for the three Of their games immediately following. Also, it was noted that the Buccaneers were not fined for this. So it seems like it was something that was done without their knowledge.
1: Yeah. So Antonio Brown admitted that he had a fake vaccination card after these accusations came out. So it wasn't like Hmm. he tried to hide it at that point. But the fact of the matter is, the fact of the matter is, he hid it even from his own organization this whole time. And that's why he caught a suspension. So a lot of people are comparing this to Aaron Rodgers. And it's like, Aaron Rodgers never said that he was fully vaccinated. He just pretended to be. And that's the difference. Like, Antonio Brown, like, legitimately cheated the system and brought a fake vaccination card to the organization. So, like, one act is a little worse than the other, and that's why he caught a suspension. It still bothers me, though, that Rodgers didn't catch a suspension for what he did because the reality of it is is they both – lied? You know, like to an extent.
0: One's a lie by omission, one's an outright lie. Yeah. I think it's because he is who he is. I think if he were a lower tier player, he would have caught a suspension.
1: And let's be honest, Antonio Brown is Antonio Brown. He's pissed off the NFL in more ways than the NFL can remember. You know, the whole scene with a helmet and then got removed from the team because he wouldn't wear a certain helmet and then went to the new team that he got signed with and wore the helmet just fine. So it's just like... I just, I just don't get it. Like, he just wants to be in the news negatively, and I don't grasp the reasoning behind it. Like, I guess good news and bad news are the same because they're both news, but, like, it's bad publicity for sure. Yeah. We'll continue on to player health. Cleveland Browns offensive tackle Jack Conklin will miss the rest of the season after tearing his patellar tendon. That's not really a good thing to do as a very large man that needs to be on the field. Yeah. Battling bigger, large men on the other side.
0: That just sounds painful. Yeah. I don't like knee injuries in general, but that just sounds bad.
1: They originally used the word ruptured, but like, and then tearing all within one sentence. So I'm like, those are both really bad words. Let's just use one of them. So a ruptured tendon sounds way, way worse than that. It's going to take all season for him to come back.
0: Minnesota Vikings running back Dalvin Cook is set to miss time with a torn labrum and a dislocated shoulder. There's currently no timeline for his return. They're saying he could potentially return as early as week 15 when the team plays the Chicago Bears.
1: And then Carolina Panthers running back Christian McCaffrey is out for the remainder of the season following an ankle injury. He's been placed on the IR for the second time this season. Last year, he missed all of the season. The year before that, he missed half the season due to injuries. So just like, when he's there, he's great. He's a shining star, but it seems like more often than not, he's not healthy. Start calling him Mr. Bubble Wrap.
0: Right, right. I feel like his contracts have got to be smaller if he's not playing most of the time, right? Like they're going to offer him less money?
1: The thing is, when he is there, he's the most explosive running back in the NFL, so No.
0: But how often is he there?
1: Not nearly often enough anymore.
0: In other news, Kenny Vaccaro has retired from the NFL after eight seasons. He was a first-round pick from Texas in 2013 and went on to play with the Saints and the Titans. However, he will not just be having a life of leisure following his retirement. He is now moving to a virtual arena following his retirement He is hoping to do well in eSports in the first-person shooter game, Halo. He said it. Like, it's not just people being like, this is what he's doing. No, he came out and said that's what he's going for now.
1: In fairness, like, professional gamers now are making a lot of money. Like, it's not small sums anymore. As much
0: as playing in the NFL?
1: If you're not good in the NFL, sure. (laughs) If you're, like, really good at playing Halo, I guess, yeah, probably. It'd be a little uh, scary to be, like, coming up against an NFL athlete in the competitive gaming world you walk up and you see like a five foot two little skinny nerd against this dude like is this a physical bout because if that's the case that little guy is is totally screwed
0: first of all are there that many five foot two guys playing halo
1: yeah it sometimes feels like it through the mic (laughs)
0: jeez i don't know if this will work out for him i don't know what he's hoping to get out of it per se but you know Good for you, following your dreams. I'm glad you have enough money set aside to not need to worry about it. The Dallas Cowboys defensive tackle Tristan Hill has been suspended two games without pay by the NFL for his post-game punch in an altercation with Las Vegas Raiders offensive lineman John Simpson on Thanksgiving Day. Fun. Or at least that was the ruling before he appealed to have a reduction in his suspension. It is now a one-game suspension, which will mean Hill will miss the game against the Saints. More people behaving badly.
1: What else is new?
0: It's Thanksgiving. Why you gotta punch someone in the
1: face? He was thankful for his hand hitting him in the face. I guess. Or they said something about his mama, and then he was thankful for protecting his mama.
0: Was his mama there?
1: I would hope so. Jeez, boys. And then the MLB is full of exciting things going on. When I say that, I mean there was like a rush of crazy signings, which we'll discuss a few of. We'll start off with the Texas Rangers. They signed shortstop, wow, that's hard to say with a retainer in your mouth, shortstop Corey Seager to a 10-year, $325 million contract. The Rangers also signed shortstop Marcus Simeon to a 7-year, $175 million contract. Simeon announced he was willing to play second base after it was announced the Rangers had signed Corey Seager. So they're going to have literally the best defensive pairing in the middle of the field than any team in the major leagues, basically. And so it's going to be weird seeing the Rangers play good baseball. It's just going to be strange. Hopefully it works out for them. Also this past week, the Mets signed ace pitcher Max Scherzer to a three-year $130 million contract. This makes him the highest paid pitcher in the MLB. It's a pretty good chunk of money. The Dodgers signed Chris Taylor to a four year, sixty million dollar contract. The contract contains a fifth year option, which would make the total contract value cap out at seventy-three million dollars if they picked up that fifth year.
0: If he's getting paid fifteen million a year, why would it not be seventy five million?
1: I don't know. It's the way the contract was written.
0: Okay. Right handed reliever Mark Melancon. Melancon. Melancon?
1: That's probably the last one was probably the closest, I think.
0: Okay. And the Arizona Diamondbacks have agreed to a two-year contract on Wednesday, December 1st. The deal is worth $14 million and also includes a mutual option for the 2024 season.
1: The Chicago White Sox signed Larry Garcia to a three-year $16.5 million contract to bring him back for his 10th straight season with the White Sox. So he's been one of our guys that's just been around a long, long time in the organization and honestly, he always does really, really well for us. So it's like a no-brainer to sign an extension for him. And then on the other side of town, the Cubs did some signing of players. The Chicago Cubs signed Marcus Stroman to a three-year $71 million contract, which... Just
0: do round numbers. I hate
1: this crap. The Mets basically were willing to sign him for three years, but they were only offering him $55 million. Mm. And for obvious reasons, he decided to move on.
0: Yes. The Cubs have also agreed to terms on a one-year major league contract with outfielder Michael Hermosillo on Wednesday, December 1st.
1: This was the one that I was kind of shocked that you wrote about because I don't even know who the guy is. And there's no dollar amount, so like it's even more of like, who is he? Hopefully, How much
0: are you worth?
1: Right. Are Are you a talented player Do from the minor league? Do you even matter? Right. Realistically is more the, the point. Mm-hmm. And then finally, the Detroit Tigers signed Javi Baez to a six-year, $140 million contract.
0: That's a lot of money.
1: Yeah. He was traded away from the Cubs to the Mets, and the Mets have been spending a lot of money on pitching and then didn't really concentrate on their offense, so it's going to probably be a pretty rough year for the Mets. I have a question. Yeah.
0: For $140 million, how many Tigers could you buy?
1: I don't know. You should probably ask the coach of the Lions. He clearly wants to buy Lions. He probably knows a guy. Yeah. Yeah. They're both in Detroit, so they could be friends.
0: Detroit just has one guy running around with big cats. You want a tiger? You want a lion? What's going on? You want I got you. Let's go. I don't have any bears. I'm sorry. Yeah.
1: That's my guy in Chicago. Let me Mm. call him up.
0: With all of those signings going on, and I'm sure there's some that we haven't talked about, major league clubs committed to a one-day record of $1.4 billion in salaries just hours before the league locked out players following the expiration of the CBA this was the first time teams have combined to spend over a billion dollars in a single day spend it all before you lose it but you're not really gonna lose it you yeah. just have to wait
1: yeah the reality is like this was expected because like they expanded the a whole week before when it normally would be so like the cutoff would normally be the second but because the CBA was expiring at the first at midnight it was like spend time yeah. Because you j- weren't able to start until the second normally. So it was just like, we better let them spend on contracts before they can't do it at all. So
0: right, But that leads into what is the biggest news in the Major League world right now. And it's that at 11.59 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Wednesday, December 1st, Major League Baseball CBA expired. Minutes later, the league's owners announced a lockout of the players, and this ends up being baseball's first work stoppage since the 94-95 player strike. The hope is that the lockout will end in time for spring training, but people are already saying that that may be too optimistic.
1: Yeah, so the discussions that had been going on over the last month were very much no conversations, like each side was just telling each other no. Right. Right. And, and it's there was really no, Movement. let's try to meet a little more in the middle on these things. Right. Everybody's pretty well set in the ground as to what it's going to be. And we literally were close to a lockout just last season when they were trying to figure out the COVID CBA stuff. Right. So like everybody kind of knew that that was a temporary fix.
0: Well, in over the last several weeks, MLB and the MLB's Players Association have traded proposals, like you said, but not making any real headway. At the core of the labor battle is money, and until that gets figured out, the lockout's not going to end. And that means that quite a few things are frozen, not able to make movement. This is why people got signed ahead of that whole thing falling apart. So we'll try to break it down real fast. There is a transaction freeze, which means that no trades or free agent signings can happen. Because the lockout would only involve Major League Baseball Players Association members, we could still see minor league contract signings and trades happening. But not if they are part of the Players Association, not part of that 40-man roster, I believe is how that was worded in the article I read. Yeah. Some players will still get paid. During the lockout, players will receive any signing bonuses or deferred salary payments though they are not paid their base salary should the lockout extend into the regular season. During this time period, the union can provide players with financial assistance during the lockout, though it would be far less than the players' contracted salary because they don't have that deep of pockets.
1: Well, obviously.
0: The union can also provide players with zero-interest loans in some cases and will help cover health insurance costs should the lockout extend into the season.
1: And there'd be no workouts at club facilities, so during a lockout, the owners quite literally lock the players out of the club facilities. Right. Uh, If necessary, the MLBPA will run workout facilities in Arizona and Florida for players during the lockout. Notably, injured players cannot rehab at the club facilities or with the club's athletic trainers. So that one sucks.
0: that one really sucks for players who have been injured like towards the end of the season or whatever happened to make it so that they need the help getting better. Because it sounds like they're kind of on their own at this point. Right. An interesting part of this is that most likely the MLB won't test players for banned substances during the lockout. However, it is still understood that they are still banned substances even during the lockout. So if you come back and test positive for something, then you're going to get a lot of fines and suspensions and stuff like that.
1: Well, most of those rules are written by the MLBPA anyways, so like right. it makes sense that the MLBPA would still hold the union members accountable for their own rules.
0: Right, and even during the off-season, you're not allowed to use these substances on a normal year. So I don't see why that would change
1: during a lockout. And something that's become a little more proficient over the last few years, players would have the ability to play in other leagues. So they would be able to play in winter leagues, independent leagues, and even professional leagues overseas in Japan, Korea, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So like a lot of players play in like the Cuban leagues during the wintertime because it's just a friendly league They don't really get paid that much money, but they still can continue to work out at normal facilities and things like that. Right.
0: The interesting thing for me here is that the minor leagues are likely to continue as normal. So there is a chance that there could still be a lockout at what's supposed to be a start of the regular season on April 8th of the major leagues. And if that were to happen, the minor leagues would continue as normal and then we could easily have minor league games televised nationally instead of major league games because of the lockout
1: and i don't feel like that would be such a bad thing because like if anything that brings more money into the minor league organizations which could always use a little pump of money right like we found that out when they did the whole investigation of like living situations for uh, minor league players so right
0: but moving into the nba you had some covid news coming out of there this week
1: yeah, the NBA announced that 97% of its 450 players are fully vaccinated and has been urging said players to get the booster shot. This comes after its regular antibody tests of the players has been kind of showing a lack of antibodies in said players that received the Johnson & Johnson single-shot vaccinations. Oh, okay. so They're basically concerned that people that got the single shot, which was a lot of the athletes as it seems percentage-wise, that they need to go get the booster shot just in case.
0: Right, right. And, well, you need to get the booster shot anyway, but, like, especially if you got the Johnson Johnson because it already had a lower level of... Antibody buildup. I guess that's the right way to say that. Antibody
1: support. (laughs) Effectiveness. All those words are good ones.
0: Right. And this week we also had a decent number of injuries or a bad number of injuries, however you want to word that.
1: Both work again.
0: The Atlanta Hawks guard Bogdan... Bogdanovic
1: Bogdan Bogdanovic. He
0: basically <laughs> he basically has the same name first and last. Yes. I wrote this, but I don't know why I'm shocked all of a sudden.
1: <laughs> I was going to say, I'm like, I did not put this in here, but I'm, I, I'm just excited by your attempt. So,
0: Mr. Bog Bog will be out for two weeks following a sprained ankle he received in the game against the Knicks on November 27th. He'll end up being reevaluated after those two weeks.
1: And then Brooklyn Nets forward Joe Harris is set to undergo left ankle surgery and is expected to be sidelined for four to eight weeks. He's had a surgery removing a bone particle, according to the article, so that's fun.
0: I don't know how many people just get these weird, like, bone parts that are just chipped off of their regular bone, but, like, it seems like it happens to athletes a lot.
1: I feel like removing little, like, pieces of bone somehow that are, like, just getting out of your feet or... Wherever they are, it's kind of weird. Well,
0: they're they're broken pieces. Yeah, they just, like, snapped off a piece of it, yeah. What kind of torture are you putting your body through for that to happen? Right. Orlando Magic guard Jalen Suggs fractured his right thumb in the game against the Philadelphia 76ers on Monday, November 29th. The team has said that he will be out, quote, for an extended period of time which is not vague enough for me. I need to be so confused. I don't know what's happening.
1: <laughs> and then Milwaukee Bucks center Brooke Lopez had has had back surgery. He will be out indefinitely. He was sidelined during the first game of the season and hasn't seen the court since. He's a pretty key piece for the Bucks, but the Bucks over the last couple of years have really been building quality players around Giannis, so it's not the break-all situation.
0: That sounds really rough,
1: though. Yeah. Back surgeries are never... Not rough, I feel like.
0: The Portland Trailblazers' Damian Lillard has been sidelined with a lower ab injury and will be reevaluated in 10 days. In the article, they called it tendinopathy, which is just an overuse injury in and around the tendons.
1: So he's just walking around the locker room flexing his abs all over the place? Must be it. Like, look at these sick abs, bro. Weird flex, but okay.
0: I know, that's not how Turn. that's supposed to be used. But that was on purpose. Yes. I'm glad you got that. Yeah. Uh,
1: and then Miami Heat center Bam Adebayo will require surgery after suffering a torn ligament in his right thumb in the game against Denver on Monday, November 29th. He's likely to be out at least until mid-January.
0: I don't know how you tear a tendon in your hand. That sounds so painful.
1: At big hands, basketball, maybe somebody was like trying to... Stop him from scoring the basketball and the ball like pushed back on his hand. I don't know. There's a lot of ways that I could see it happening in basketball itself.
0: I feel like you have to have a lot of strength in your arms in order to tear a ligament in someone else's hand. Yeah. There was one signing this week coming out of the NBA. It was DeMarcus Cousins who signed a deal with the Milwaukee Bucks. It is a one-year deal and the terms were not reported.
1: I feel like DeMarcus Cousins at the end of his career is like, hey, guys, anybody will take me, I'll sign a contract. Let's do it. One he's year? Like,
0: one year? Anybody? One year?
1: Because like he's even been signing like half-season contracts with teams. So it's just How? like... How?
0: And why?
1: Because he can. And he did. I don't know. But he's been around the league with about four or five different teams in the last four years. Just bouncing around, getting a little taste everywhere.
0: And more people behaving badly. Miami Heat center Dwayne Dedman... Has been fined $15,000 for kicking a seat cushion from his team's bench into the spectator stands during the game against the Chicago Bulls on November 27th at the United Center.
1: Classless. Or very, very frustrated in a poor sport. (laughs) Kind of classless, I guess. Let's both run together.
0: More people being poor sports. Orlando Magic center forward Wendell Cartel, Cartel Jr., has been fined $35,000 for forcefully throwing his protective glasses at a ref. It happened towards the end of the game against the Cleveland Cavaliers on November 27th. Apparently it's a Wendell Carter, Jr.?
1: Yeah, because he was part of the Vucevic trade from the Bulls last year, so I was like, I'm pretty sure that's the same guy we traded, but I might be wrong, so... And Vucevic has ended up playing pretty well for us, so... Kind of glad we got rid of that trouble.
0: Right. The NBA announced on Wednesday, December 1st, that the Chicago Bulls and Miami Heat have each violated league rules governing the timing of this season's free agency discussions and that the league has forced the teams to forfeit their next available second-round draft pick. The Chicago Bulls were caught in discussions with Lonzo Ball, while the Miami Heat were caught in discussions with Kyle Lowry.
1: I almost want to say it was worth it. Do you? Yeah, because Lonzo Ball has been phenomenal. Like, Okay. Seems worth losing a second-round pick so far anyways.
0: We'll see about that. And this week, the Portland Trailblazers fired team president of basketball operations and GM Neil Olshley on Friday, December 3rd after an investigation into workplace misconduct. The Blazers had hired an outside firm last month to investigate workplace environment concerns stemming from allegations of misconduct involving Olshay. His dismissal is effective immediately. He had been GM of the Blazers since 2012 and was promoted to president of basketball operations in 2015. This week, the Blazers promoted director of player personnel Joe Cronin to interim GM.
1: Yeah, it seems like there's a lot of... Upper management acting badly over the last, like, month or two, roughly, in major sports, so...
0: Well, I think it's less of, like, it's recently happening and more like we're doing something finally about these sorts of things.
1: Yeah, which is good.
0: Yeah. It's going to look bad before it gets better.
1: That's a fact. But the fact that people are handling it is what makes it better, so...
0: Moving into the MLS, there's actually a decent amount of news, most of which is the playoffs... Since we last spoke, the conference semifinals have happened. The Portland Timbers ended up defeating Colorado Rapids 1-0. Real Salt Lake defeated Sporting Kansas City 2-1. Philadelphia Union defeated Nashville SC 1-1 with 2-0 penalties. New York City FC defeated New England Revolution 2-2 with 5-3
1: penalty kicks. All I'm saying is I wouldn't want to fight the revolution because I feel like that's a lot of people to fight.
0: A whole revolution. Mm-hmm. In the conference finals, which are happening now, the Portland Timbers ended up defeating Real Salt Lake 2-0. to zero, And the Philadelphia Union versus New York City FC game is taking place on the day that we're recording in just a few hours.
1: I'm kind of hoping New York City FC wins. I feel like this is like picking between a rock and a hard place situation because, like, I hate New York and I hate Philadelphia. So it's just like, I guess you pick the one you hate the least, and that's New York because screw Philadelphia.
0: And the MLS Cup final will be happening this week. The teams are still to be determined, but the game will take place on December 11th.
1: I think it's weird that it's a time-to-be-decided situation because they already have a stadium picked. It's not like they're going to have a team play in their home stadium, so... Right. I don't know. That's kind of weird to me.
0: They'll figure it out. The Columbus crew have signed attacking midfielder Lucas Ryan to a new three-year contract that will keep him with the team through 2024. It also contains a club option for 2025, though the financial terms of the deal were not disclosed.
1: And then something we're not shocked to see here in Dallas after the horrible season the previous coach brought us to... Mm-hmm. Uh, Nico Estevez was hired on Thursday, December 2nd to coach FC Dallas after serving as an assistant for the U.S. men's national team since 2019. He has coached at different levels for more than 22 years, including stints in Spain's La Liga, and previously in the MLS as an assistant from 2017 to 2018 for the Columbus Crew. Columbus Crew had one of their best seasons that year, and lately the U.S. men's national team's kind of been getting it done. So, like... Bringing in a guy that has those experiences is probably going to be helpful to the team, especially if they want to keep Ricardo Pepe around for more than the end of his contract next year. Look at me knowing players on the roster here in Dallas. For oh, MLS teams, man. no less. But moving into the real world of soccer, the Premier League, uh, Newcastle United got its first win of the season by defeating Burnley 1 0 in only their third game under their new head coach, Eddie Howe. I love him how so far. I love his style of offense and his style of defense. A little bit of a more pressure style system. Keep the ball on their side of the field, which is a heck of a lot better than let's just defend the entire game, which is what we had before. So it's a good experience.
0: Sounds like your old coach was an idiot.
1: He wasn't great. Steve Bruce, uh, I thought he was going to be a flop and glad I was right. The reality of it is, is the players look happier to be on the pitch. Which, under Steve Bruce, they looked like they didn't even want to be there half the games. Everybody was smiling, everybody was having fun, and then they scored the goal and they were having even more fun. And that's important, I feel like, if you want to win games.
0: I would also not want to be there for half the games.
1: It's their first win this season in 14 games so far. We haven't lost all of those, but we haven't won a single game, so it's kind of nice to get that one... That weight off your shoulders a little bit. You're still in
0: a relegation spot, right?
1: Second to last. Yeah. We were going to go over that here momentarily, but thank you for speeding that along for my reminder. You're welcome. But in news with your team, you guys fired your head coach this past week and decided to hire on Ralph Rangnick as the interim head coach. The new German head coach plays a pressing style offense. Which does not mesh well with Ronaldo's gameplay style. However, he was asked about this exact situation in his first press conference, and he responded by saying, "It's not only about Cristiano. We play the most, com- or we play in the most competitive league in the world. So we need all the players on board playing at their best. Makes sense. You can't just be dependent on one guy to win all your games." He stated he had a discussion with Ronaldo and he was on board with the changes that he plans on implementing as their new head coach, which I guess is good. The reality is it's either don't play and make less money or play and make more money. So is it really a complicated decision for Ronaldo? No. Rangnick was the first director of football for Red Bull Leipzig. His strategies and football IQ helped bring the team from the bottom league... Uh, in German football, all the way up to the top tier in the Bundesliga. He helped the team from being worth only around $120 million when Red Bull bought the organization. And with his strategies and player moves, he brought the team up to a $1.2 billion value in his final year in the role. So he, he knows what he's doing, basically, is what it sounds like. It was not
0: a solo effort, I can guarantee that.
1: Oh, I'm sure, but bringing the brains to bringing certain players that were like no-name guys and somehow making it work is kind of a tough thing to do, so. But overall, in his history of football, he does carry the nickname of the godfather of modern German football. He helped to develop the 4-4-2 press-style offense that the German national team actively uses, so I think he'll be a good addition for you guys. I don't think his resume would lead you to believe that he's not going to be a good head coach, so... He won his first game today, so there's that. It's a good thing, right?
0: It's a good way to start, for sure.
1: Yep. But staying on the subject of Ronaldo, he passed his 800th career goal mark in all competitions. He scored his 800th and 801st and game against Arsenal earlier in the week, giving Manchester United a 3-2 victory. So without his two goals, you guys would have taken the L against Arsenal. So that's good. You're on a two-game win streak now, one week. It's got to be exciting.
0: Well, it's definitely better than losing
1: which he did three games in a row before that. So, yeah, it's kind of a good feeling. But to go to the standings in the Premier League, actively we have Manchester City in first place with 35 points, Liverpool in second place with 34 points, Chelsea in third place with 33 points, West Ham in fourth with 27, Tottenham in fifth with 25, Manchester United after their two wins. A point out of the top five now. Nice. Not bad. You're in sixth place. And then, as you stated earlier, Newcastle United in second to last place, still in relegation zone. We're coming up on that January signing window. I think that's going to help our team a lot by bringing in a couple new pieces.
0: If you get too far behind, it doesn't matter who you pick up at that point.
1: It's true. I think we'll get out of the relegation zone. I think we'll still be very near the bottom of the table. But it will be nice to hopefully get clear of that spot pretty soon. Um, The bottom three teams all have exactly 10 points. So the reality is... It's close. It could swing in any direction for that relegation spot. But hopping over to the Bundesliga really quick, we did have two stories that were going on. Red Bull Leipzig announced this morning that they will be parting ways with their head coach Jesse Marsh after the team's most disappointing start since they have arrived in the top league. Currently, they are in 11th place, but are on a three-game losing streak. This is the first time since they entered the top league that they have let a coach go. Probably not a good statistic to be a part of.
0: Well, you have to change things up when they're not working you can't just go well we haven't ever fired anyone so we'll just not fire
1: anyone right and their last game they lost three to one to union berlin which is just like oof that's a tough loss and then yesterday we had their Klassiker, which is always
0: a fight in our house
1: yeah but it was one of the most competitive ones in a while like it always seems like one team is just dominating the other in these matches so it was good to see it like a back and forth battle. Bayern Munich did end up winning the game 3 to 2 over Borussia Dortmund. Like I said earlier, this was one of the better games in recent history in the two clubs meeting. It included spectacular goals, great defensive moments, huge goalie saves and very controversial PK call which ended up winning the game for Bayern Munich. So much I just s-
0: didn't know you guys had a zebra in your pocket.
1: Well, we'll go a little further, and it sounds like Jude Bellingham's going to catch something for his post-game press conference that he decided to state, well, what do you expect when the referee that was refereeing this major game has been accused of match-fixing before? I didn't know that. There's that. He's been accused but proven innocent of this accusation, so it's like, oh boy.
0: That's still something that is like a mark on you. Oh yeah,
1: without a doubt. But it came down to a VAR call, so it wasn't even the main referee's call. The people at the VAR made the decision. The referee just came out and communicated it. So it's like, you can't really put it on him for that bad call. But the two teams will meet again on April 23rd in Munich this time, rather than in Dortmund. So, you know, we got a few months off of peace between between us, hopefully.
0: No, because you'll just bring it up again over and over that your team beat mine.
1: Well, it is the seventh straight victory for Munich against Dortmund in the regular season, so it has kind of been a rough ride for you guys lately. I honestly thought y'all were going to win based on the way the game was going for a little while, so when I say it was a good game, like, I would watch it again. Yeah. Oh. But I think that pretty much wraps up all of our sports stuff for the week, which I'm sure you appreciate.
0: Definitely, because this episode is already longer than it was last week pre-edit, so
1: exciting but we will catch you on thursday for a book episode
0: in the meantime make sure you're staying in contact with us on all of our social media and remembering to rate review and subscribe
1: and we'll catch you then guys bye
0: bye new york city fc defied defied
1: they defighted the <laughs> hell out of them they didn't just defeat them they defighted them
0: i hate you so much